take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. Happy New Year. 2020. It is 2020. It's a very exciting number, exciting year. Mm-hmm. And today in today's podcast, we will be talking about setting goals. And not just the New Year's resolutions that you all grew up knowing about. There's a book called The Four-Day Win by Martha Beck. And Martha Beck was, was actually Oprah's life coach. And she would say that if you set a goal, you're lying. (laughs) Because you're trying to say something that you know you can't do. And she would say, cut it in half until you have a success and then build on that. But she calls it the four-day win because she says, you know, it takes those first four days that suck in order to change a habit. You know, after the four days, it doesn't have so much of a grip on you. And you're more disciplined after four days, but the first four days are pretty painful. I would say, actually, in the beginning, when you first set that goal, you actually feel pretty empowered. Mm -hmm. You actually feel pretty good, right? We use that, the graph of change when we're talking with clients about when they start a goal, no matter what that is, whether it's trying to improve their relationship or themselves individually, there is this spontaneous recovery, where you feel really strong, you feel empowered, you feel focused, you feel like you're on track to to hit that goal, right? But then it is called the honeymoon very shortly. phase. Right, yeah. it's a honeymoon <laughs> phase, which means it's very short-lived <laughs> and there's going to be a crash. And usually that first crash that you have, you start to question what it is that you're doing. I would say that's where that, you know, that difficult part comes in. Absolutely. You know... It's really difficult to make change. Human beings don't like it. We like certainty much better than we like change. Even if certainty means smoking a cigarette or being overweight or being lazy or whatever it is, we know that. And because we know it, it, it's more comfortable. And change requires discipline, which is not comfortable. Yeah, change is very uncomfortable. We don't like it at all as just a complete, as a, as a species. And, you know, if you think about physical change, if you try to go on some type of a diet or change the way that you're eating, even if you're trying to change it to eating healthy, your body rebels. Right. Because it's gotten so used to eating you know, unhealthy meals that now you try to shift it, it doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. 
And so you have all of these symptoms and indigestion and, and your body's just adjusting to something completely different. I always found it really uh, interesting, the statistics about people who are newly diagnosed with diabetes and how they have the same pattern and success rate of change as heroin addicts. Right. As, as actually anyone with an addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's a it's complete tough. lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's not just kind of changing things for a month or a couple or three months or so. It's like for the rest of your life. Right. And so it's not just a physical change, but it's psychological and emotional. You know, one of the things that we do is we create 40-day spiritual practices, right? So it's sort of equivalent to what some people call Lent or something like that, where, you know, you commit to doing something for 40 days. And the very first time we did it, oh, we were rock stars. We held ourselves so accountable to that, and it felt so great. And then we crashed and burned like the next four times we tried to do it. But now we've been doing that for, ooh, 15 years. We created our spiritual practices about 15 years ago. And now we're almost 100% of the time successful in at least a portion of it. And I think that when you add a spiritual component to changing and setting goals and dedicating yourself to something it really helps you on another level that you don't get if it's just for physical change well it gives you a sense of purpose and meaning Mm -hmm. you know to what it is you're doing it's not that you're just trying to lose 20 pounds you know or make more money you know but there is a you know greater purpose behind what what it is that you're doing a spiritual connection to what it is that you're doing if i think back if and if you would think back with me has doing those 40-day practices, whether we do them once a year or two or three times a year, has that created permanent change in our lives? I, I believe so. It's like this forward progression always mm-hmm. where you're building upon the past. You're building upon your past successes. And because you know that you hit those successes, it is easier to reach for more successes. Yeah, I think that it's definitely changed our relationship with food. Yeah. It's changed our relationship with electronics, especially the distractions of like TV and social media and internet. We're, Just I think distractions really, in mm-hmm. general, right? And it's also changed our uh, association and relationship with money. Yeah. And I think too with exercise. You know, I think we would go through longer periods of time where we would do nothing rather than, you know, like why would you go for a walk once a week? You know, but like before it was like if you're not doing it five days a week, why do it at all? <laughs> Where now, you know, maybe one, maybe it's only once a week or twice a week, but it's better than zero. And we do it more because it feels good emotionally as well as physically. And not just because we're trying to lose weight or something. Kind of reminds me of those um, quit smoking commercials where they're like, you're probably not going to be successful the first time, but just keep trying. And when you keep trying, I think each time you try, you learn something. And it builds on that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, we're not we're not designed to be successful in the first try. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, it's our failures that actually help us succeed. You know, people quote Benjamin Franklin. You know, not Benjamin Franklin. I'm sorry. They they quote Thomas Edison. You know, all the time when it comes to successes and failures, like how many times did he fail making the light bulb, right? But he was able to succeed the 2001st time. 
Yeah, I've heard 10,000. I've heard yeah, 1,200. I've heard lots of different times he's tried. Right. And he was interviewed and he said, well, you know, you failed like 1,200 times or whatever the number is. And he goes, yeah, but I know 1,200 ways how to not make a light bulb. And one way how to make a light bulb, what do you know? You know, I think that it doesn't really matter what the number is, no, right? No. But it really points at the fact that we have to fail in order to succeed. And if we are afraid of failing, then we're going nowhere. We're going to get stuck. It, we are going to also suffer in our self-esteem, our self-confidence, you know, because every time that we fail, every time we beat ourselves up about not succeeding at some goal or attaining some, you know, bar that we're trying to, you know, achieve or set, it just knocks us down a peg in, in what we believe about ourselves. But it doesn't need to knock us down 10 pegs. And I think I think that's where, you know, I remember back in the day like, oh, well, I ate a donut, so I might as well eat the whole box. <laughs> that That is totally, right? <laughs> yeah, like the, the addict mentality, you yeah. know, that I've messed up now, so I might as well just, I might as well mess up royally now. Right. I always like to use the analogy of, you know, the first time a human being tries to walk, uh, they take one, two steps and fall down. And everyone goes, yay. And they encourage him to get back up. And they do. And they fall down again. And how many times does a human being fall down learning to walk before they master walking? I mean, you know, two, three, four years <laughs> of falling down. And no parent ever said to a child, you know what? Stay down there. You stay down there and I'm going to bring you everything because you're going to bump your head. You're going to fall. It's going to hurt. And we forget that that's actually how we learn. Yeah. Our, our daughter-in-law fell down the other night and Twice. she's 30. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, we could still fall down as an adult. Absolutely. And, you know, um, the thing that brings us joy is actually connection. And it doesn't matter what that connection is. Whether you're connecting to ideas in your brain, that'll bring you joy. Whether you're connecting with another human being, whether you're connecting ideas, concepts, uh, creating something, putting a puzzle together, anytime we make a connection, that's what joy is. Isn't that interesting? And so when we try and we fall down, we've learned something and we learned something because we made a connection, maybe a little bit too much to the left was the connection or got to go more to the right, whatever it was. But that process of learning is very joyful. Yeah. You know, I think when we have perfection creep in, it takes us on a completely different path. Or when we have like this beating myself up type of approach, it takes us on that same dark path, mm -hmm. right? Where we yeah. just beat ourselves up and or we place these expectations over our heads that are completely unrealistic or expectations that are attached to other people, like comparing ourselves to other people. And, you know, it's that measuring stick and, and you're always going to lose. Someone is either going to be better than you or they're going to be worse off than you. And now you're just living your life based on everyone and everything outside of yourself. Versus taking a look at who you are, who you want to be, and setting the path in motion to create that. That comparison stuff is so hard, you know. I'm 53. 
there are changes happening in my body that are never going to undo. You know, I can see a glimpse of my 70 year old self in my face sometimes. And it's quite humbling, but at the same time, it's very liberating. It's very liberating because you have to let go of, of what's superficially important and, and some of the things that you've learned about what's important. And it still amazes me that you can love me. Like you, you see me and my 53 year old self <laughs> and there's a meaning and a depth and a connection that we have that is far superior and outweighs all of those kind of things. And sometimes when you look in the mirror, it, it's sort of hard to believe because you're so domesticated to think about that comparison. Well, I think that reflects the change in what is important to us over the years and the goals that we strive for. My goals aren't to have flawless skin or to have like, I just remember my, my trainer in, in past years, to have bigger calves. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not about that anymore at all. Whereas, you know, when we're younger, maybe we focus on things like that. But the goals that we strive for now are reaching more people with the message that we have, teaching other couples how to have healthy relationships. Having a couple sit across from us and seeing them transform from being so shell-shocked, so unhappy in their relationship, and turning into this, this blossomed couple where they are trusting themselves, they are communicating with each other, they are opening up to each other about insecurities and helping each other heal those insecurities is such an amazing thing. And we just sat with a couple just the other day and just to see the transformation that they went through, it is so joyous. And that is the goal that we strive for now. When we talk more about connection, when we're disconnected, we typically are disconnected because something hurts. And but that couple that you're talking about, they were in pain because they were going through infertility issues and they hadn't healed an issue of past infidelity. And when we're in pain, at least when I'm in pain, the first thing we do is turn on someone else. You know, um, when we're driving and someone cuts us off, we yell at them. Or if someone gets in our way or if we stub our toe, for some reason it's someone else's fault. <laughs> even if nobody's around. We want to blame someone because it's just, I think, our natural thing that we do. And that drives such disconnection. And if joy is about connection, and you think about, we've been together uh, in February, it'll be 22 years married, 23 years since we started dating. Right. How many connections have we made in that length of time? And that's why it outweighs all of those superficial things. Except, you know, when you get in pain, you can just turn your partner right back into a monster. It's very easy to do that, uh, especially if you're not doing the self-reflection, you know, that is necessary in order to take per personal responsibility for what you have power and control over changing, and that is yourself. And so 
yes, in those cases, it's very easy to point the finger outside of yourself at other people and other things and other situations so that it, you don't have to look in the mirror and you don't have to take the blame and you don't have to take the brunt of that because that, that's a pretty heavy responsibility to take on. Right. I remember, you know, when I was 20 years old, I got pregnant. And I grew up a good Catholic girl, and that was a, a very difficult, shameful experience in my life. And I remember how heavily I judged myself. And I went through a process when my son was about eight years old where I actually was able to forgive myself. And at that point, I realized my judgment for other people went away as well. And so I find that when I'm down or when I want to make change or when I want to uh, shift something in my life, I'm so much more apt right now to reach out and help someone else because I know that's my quickest avenue to feeling better than to wonder like, why isn't someone calling me? No, I'll go call them. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. Like I'm so much more willing to reach out and take that risk because it instantly benefits me. So maybe that's really selfish. I don't know. You know, for me, when I am trying to set goals in my life or I'm trying to achieve something, I always turn to the way that I define three things and three roles that I play in my life. And that is how I define what it means to be a good father, what it means to me to be a good husband, and what it means to me to be a good man in this world. And my definitions of those three roles sets in motion all of the goals that I would set for myself in my life. It creates kind of a roadmap uh, with the final destination being the, the definition of those three roles. That's a really interesting perspective. I don't know if I've ever really thought that way. And maybe that's a little bit different between men and women. Because I think, I probably think what do people think about me more than I think about what do I think about myself. Maybe not so much in, you know, since I've been working on myself for a long time, do I care so much about what other people think about me but I don't know if I've really contemplated what I think about myself. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that there aren't times I, I don't think about what other people are thinking about me. What I'm saying is that when I focus on those three roles and how I define those three roles, it helps me kind of stay on track. It helps me um, not get sidetracked um, as to what other people are thinking about me, but keeps me focused on what's truly important in my life and who I truly want to be. You know, and so if I'm setting a goal on being more successful in the business or I'm setting a goal on, you know, being more healthy, then if I keep in mind what it means to me to, me to be a good man, you know, that he's a, a strong provider, right? Or that, you know, he makes sure that he takes care of himself so he's around for his kids and he's around for his spouse, you know, then it sets in place why I am working on being healthy, right? Or why I'm trying to be more successful in business. And it's not a, a, a self-serving type of reason. So that's like your North Star. Correct. That higher self or that striving to be 
your best self. You know, I, I've used this example multiple times and that companies have a mission, vision, and values when they come together, when they're trying to set goals, they always refocus on the mission, vision, and values because from that place, they can, you know, figure out what is truly important in order to grow their business, right? Or how to be more successful. And, you know, we've talked about couples having that kind of a focus too. You know, what is the mission, vision, values that sets in place that North Star, as you're saying, for their relationship? Well, you know, from a microcosm perspective, you also have to have that mission, vision, and values for yourself in the way that I define that is by those three roles that I play in my life, the three really most important roles for me. Now that you've said it like that, I, I see where I do do that. I do have a, a goal and a mission in life of what I want personally, what I want in our relationship, what I want for our business. And I think there, if there's two things that are important about getting your goals in a place where they're accomplishable is that one, you know, where do you want to be? What, what direction, what course are you setting? And you look out across the horizon and you, you have to pick your point. And then I think the other thing that is so impactful and we're so lazy about doing is actually writing it down. And when you write it down, when you, and then you break it up, you almost are so focused on it that it just sorts sort of starts to happen. You know, that spending that time and, you know, we hired a coach this year. Hello, Jennifer. And (laughs) she is doing that, right? She's forcing us into doing that mundane stuff that feels mundane. Well, it's just something that's not a forte of ours. Mm -hmm. You know, we like to keep those things up in our head. But, you know, I agree with you that when you put it down, it helps organize you. It actually um, helps you put things in motion, you know, versus feeling overwhelmed, you know, and not knowing what is more of a priority and where to put your focus and your energy towards. You know, the other thing, it's like when you program your GPS, right? We live in the Chicagoland area. And if we programmed our GPS to go to San Francisco and we got to Omaha and we said, this isn't working, (laughs) let's just turn around and go back. We're not here yet, you know, but because you have more of an awareness that you just have to keep going and it's further. And when you, when you're looking at where you want to be, it helps you stay in the game longer and not give up too soon. I think that's, that's the biggest thing is people give up way too soon because they've hit some bumps in the road. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that's probably a strength of ours is that we don't know when to give up. (laughs) (laughs) I remember saying that within the first year of the lighthouse that, you know, someone say something like that and we're like, oh, we're too, too stubborn or too Too, dumb to give up. Too stubborn or (laughs) too ignorant to to give up. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you don't give up, you figure it out. Once you give up, you can't do it. And, And I think that's why those smoking commercials are so, you know, they've really changed their style of saying, if you fall down, get up. And every single one of us, and if you're listening to this and you're sitting down right now, there's going to come a moment that you get back up. And we've always gotten back up one more time than we've fallen down. Every single one of us, every single day. And I think the times that it is the hardest to get back up are the times we grow the most. 
we've definitely had those moments, you know, where you just feel like, uh, I just am so exhausted. I am just so drained. I am just so overwhelmed. And the hits just keep coming over and over and over again. It just doesn't seem like it's letting up. Right. I mean, we, we had that, you know, last quarter of 2019 where it just seemed like, (laughs) yeah, where it just, you know, one thing after another. And I remember at one point I just started laughing. (laughs) I just started laughing because, you know, you really had no other recourse. It's like, what's the alternative? You just get angry, right? You just get just Ugh, I'm going to try to force this square peg through a round hole and it just doesn't work because it's not supposed to. And you're just going through that difficult time and that bump in the road for a reason. You got to figure that out and what that lesson is. And we've used the analogy of that tunnel where you were heading into a tunnel and it is the unknown. It is something uncertain. But when you start in that tunnel, you have light behind you. It's all from the past. Right. You know, and too often we hear couples say, you know, when they're in that place, they're like, I just want to go back to the way things were, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's what was comfortable for them. And moving forward, they're moving into the dark and into the unknown. But if you continue forward, you get to a point where you can't see any light and you can't see the light in front of you. You can't see the light behind you. You're in complete darkness. You're in complete uncertainty. And that's a very scary thing for many people. That's what we avoid is being in that place. But if you continue and you push forward, you will eventually start to see the light of the future, the light of change. And you will get to that place and you will leave the darkness. But most people don't. Most people get into that place of uncertainty and they decide to turn around, which makes a ton of sense. We've all been there. It is uncomfortable, it is scary, and there's no guarantee, which I think is the worst part of it. Mm -hmm. Because if we knew that absolutely going into the dark, into this uncertainty, that we are going to reach a point at the other end where there's light, well, then we would all do it. Right. It would be easy. Right. I think that, you know, you talk about the last quarter of 2019, we took the heaviest and greatest amount of hits than we've ever taken in the 18 years we've been in business. I would agree. And at the same time, we simultaneously reached all of our goals. Which is, which is surprising. <laughs> the, and these Amazing. goals, of course, we've been working on. You know, uh, we, had, we had someone who ha- was a great influence in our company that started working with us, and he was part of the loss of the last quarter when, you know, we kind of got to a place where he didn't know how to help us and we didn't know what else to do. And, you know, we lost our assistant of eight years and we, you know, she's still helping us, but you know, she's very like out of the office now. Like we don't have as much access and we had such big problems. We couldn't be reactive to them because they weren't fixable in the next 10 minutes or even the next day. Or even the next week. No, we just had to trust the fact that we were going through it, you know, for a reason and that we are going to be out, you know, through it on the other end. Right. And we just continue on. So I guess, you know, in terms of changing your life in 2020 and 
you know, and not just superficially, but really in depth and really uh, shifting your frequency and leveling up in life. I think those would be the three most important things then, right? So they would be find your mission, vision, and your values. Write down your plan and don't give up. So we want to thank you so much for joining us on Couple Synergy today and for listening, you know, to our podcast. Welcome to 2020. And, you know, thank you again for being our loyal listeners. And, you know, we hope that this is your best year yet. We know it's going to be ours. We have so many great things in place. And we're so happy that you guys are along on this journey with us. And we hope that by listening to this episode, it was not only beneficial for your life, but also your relationship. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, you can email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couples Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, that will be March 6th, 7th, and 8th, that's the next one, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And follow us on Couple Synergy on Facebook because coming up very shortly in February, we are going to be putting out a 22 date night challenge. And, you know, we want to do this. It's our anniversary and we want to really help couples find some really great ways to shift their relationships up. So make sure you're following us on Facebook so you get that information. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.